Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Do you want to go to rugby heaven? Let's go back to 1987 with Squidge. With Squidge. Let's go back to 87 with Squidge. Hello and welcome to the Squidge Rugby World Cup retrospective, the rugby podcast that covers a World Cup that Earl Curtin can bear to watch. Which oh, we'll, we'll get on to. Uh, I'm joined as ever by the one, the the oh, actually there's, there's there's also the one that plays for uh, Leicester Tigers and I plays for Nottingham. But I'm joined by one of yeah. the Willowins. Yeah, there's also another one who played for Coventry, mm. and there's actually there's quite a few people with that name in the world actually that I've yeah. I've eventually realised. But yeah, I'm one of them. I am one of them. You, I remain you're one, one of them. Yeah, I, my name is slightly rarer, but there was a BBC Wales drama where Gwen off Torchwood was married to someone called Robbie Owen. That's all right. Okay. Name. So, Torchwood's a throwback. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Remember I, um, yeah. I've never seen uh, any programs on BBC Wales where somebody's married to somebody called Robbie or Squidge or whatever you want to call me, though. Yeah, that's far, <laughs> that's far rarer. And mm. another name that I don't think you see that often. We also joined from Line Break Rugby, returning to the podcast. We have yep. Sab. How are you doing? Yeah. I'm good. It's good to be back once again in an England game. That it was a struggle to watch. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm so sorry about this. I'm so sorry we happened to have done this twice. Yeah. No, like, I, it's, it, was enjoy- it was enjoyable in a sense of watching a whistle constantly being blown and two scrums just smashing headfirst into each other. It, it was quite interesting, but uh, a bit of a mess. Yeah. So what's your relationship with rugby from this time, with kind of 80s rugby? Absolutely nothing. I would say that the the majority of my knowledge from pre pre ninety five, even mm. pre I don't know, like pre, pre anything in the eighties, basically comes from highlights of the Barbarians, basically Phil Bennett montages, um, <laughs> Gareth Edwards, maybe a montage or two of that. Like, there's not there's not actual games. I think I've seen this mm. might be one of the first sure, few games yeah. all the way through that I've seen, and. Yeah, it, it was an eye-opening experience. I'm not really sure how rugby had that many fans, to be honest with you. Like, I really, <laughs> yeah. I really, yeah. Especially if, I mean, if we go back and think about what we've come from and where we are now, like, it, it's light years difference. Like, it's it's crazy. The distance travelled is mad. Yeah. I mean, to Earl Curtin, who was a pundit on uh, the halftime coverage in this game, mm-hmm. and also is a commentator on a number of the games here, uh, I've since found he described the 2019 World Cup as almost unwatchable and no. incredibly boring. Um, really? Wow. Yep. Because so, most tries come from malls now, so it's just really boring. Game's gone soft. <laughs> and like, no wonder kids aren't wanting to watch anymore. He said one really interesting thing in that interview, which I Jeez. do agree with, which is that it used to be a game of evasion, and now it's a game of invasion, which I think is a night work. That's nightwork. actually a really good turn of phrase, yeah. in fairness. Um, okay. But... Everything else he says around that is very like, God, the game's boring now. But then you go back and watch this. As you say, I don't know why people watch this. Never mind, remember it well. Yeah. No. The mo- the moments that stood out in my mind are basically 
a lot of Gary Owens. That seems to be a, a, a tactic that people love. Yeah. Rob Andrew, I don't understand how he's become lauded. I watched that game and watched Rob Andrew play, and I just didn't like him. Like I didn't <laughs> like I just I I watched him and basically he stood still, caught the ball, and just passed to the 13. And that was the or he kicked it straight up in the air. Those are the yeah. two tactics. I've, I've just really disliked I it. looked at this England team and just thought it's full of selfish pricks. Like <laughs> everybody just wants to do everything themselves. Like, and they didn't even pick Richard Harding in this game, who has done some unforgivable things before. But, like, Rob Andrew, the very first thing he does in the game, and I know we're jumping miles ahead, yeah. but the very first thing he does in the game is catch a ball kind of pirouetting and t- decides he wants to go for a drop goal for the sake of it, rather than, like, setting up for a decent position where either, where that would be the right thing. Or, at least, if he caught... Cause it's one of those where if he calls it to his centres, I'm going to go for a drop goal, they would say, no, that's a stupid idea. You're just doing that because you want to do it rather than because it will benefit the team. Mm. And I know it's a... We're constantly saying this about every team at some points on this 87 tournament, but it's so true. It's just full of selfish idiots, man. Yeah. And especially since this England team's point of difference is that their pack were massive bellends. And yeah. Angry. <laughs> <laughs> Dean, oh. Dean Richards, by the way, was absolutely ruthless, I thought. I, yeah. I, I, I thought he stood out as being quite good. Um, yeah. And his offloads were quite strong. I was, you know, I was surprised by the level of offloads. There were a huge number of offloads. The ball would mm. be knocked on a million times. Don't get mm. me wrong. Yeah. But the, the attempted offloads and kind of just flinging it back in a ruck and watching the ball just roll around on the floor for a lot of the game was, you don't see that much anymore. Really. Yeah. No. I, I agree with what you're saying about Dean Richards, because like, you look at this whole England pack, and they all just don't look very good. But Dean Richards at least like punches people and is intimidating <laughs> and stuff. Like The stuff that he does very well isn't stuff that would translate to a time with TMOs, so he wouldn't be very good these days. True. But uh, what he's doing there, like he he is excellent because he is at least intimidating and he is like at least genuinely threatening in that sense. Mm. he's i mean he was a big guy there were a couple of big guys there was a moment Mm. when i think the two fives went head to head the two locks and i was just like yeah this is this looks like the old the old school what the what the people who love the old school like in that single moment i was like okay this is what they wanted but then nothing happened and i was like okay that was the one moment of the game (laughs) where suddenly i could see like an old school style vibe and the rest of the game was basically they play for two seconds. The ref blows his whistle. There was a scrum. <laughs> and then they would talk about one team having dominance in the scrum. And I was like, I don't really see it. Like the ball kind of goes in. It kind of gets knocked about a bit. And then occasionally the whistle blows again. That's, yeah. That wasn't, yeah, there wasn't, there wasn't seem to be much continuity at all in the mm. entire game. Rules um, were generally made yeah. up on the spot by the, by the sounds of it. Yeah. And, and line outs were a mess, despite the fact everyone seemed to want to kick. My favorite part of the game actually was the USA kept, they had some line out calls. So they'd be like four, seven, six, five. And then the guy would just launch it and it would go random. I'd like, <laughs> I'm not really sure who he was aiming at. So um, we, we cracked yeah. the line out call before. So yeah, for example, it says four, seven, six, five. In that case, he would throw it to the fourth man in the line because he just, it's okay. just the, it's the first number the first that he calls number. out, which is really funny. Uh, but they were really loudly on the ref mic. Tries to confuse everyone and he says, Red 4765. He just puts a colour in there, which I think probably throws everyone off. Like, All yeah, the England players go, Where's Red? Yeah. Where's number Red? Who's got Red on their back? 
Yeah, it, uh, it was, but the, but I, England had set plays from line outs. I don't know if we noticed. There, mm. there was there were moments when like okay. one of them would jump up and tap it, and then Dean Richards would run the other way and catch the ball. And the only way that that works is if Dean Richard has pre-run round the back of that lineout. Yeah. So there was there was some sort of pre-thought move, but yeah. But since they were such a free-for-all, it was hard to assume you were going to get the ball. Hundred um, percent. It was just slapped around, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, it was I think Romania against like Zimbabwe, where they just had like four massive men, and Zimbabwe didn't. <laughs> it's the only time we've seen anything re- resembling safe ball in this whole tournament. That's quite funny. You have I, I no idea. I watch that game. <laughs> yeah. That game's a that game's a bit of a banger. That game is, is yeah. genuinely that's is, maybe that's my the one favorite. to watch. That's, none of them are the one to watch. But <laughs> if you Other have than the to, ones with dogs coming on the field, they're the only ones. <laughs> the that dogs are I literally I did have on the uh, written in here at some point in the second half. Like, can we have a dog on already? Just because like <laughs> this game finished thirty four six to England, and it is I would probably not hesitate to say the most dull game of the tournament so far really i I think it's certainly up there yeah i thought england australia was worse (laughs) oh england australia was bad wales island was like shit as well this but imagine if michael liner's having a met yeah at least you've got kind of an underdog thing happening on the other side okay it's bottom three best players in the world having one of the worst games of his career it's it's funny how england have turned up in two of those three uh really terrible (laughs) games and again like USA really played their part in how shit this game was as well. Like, it yeah. wasn't all on England. USA really did not help themselves. So, yeah. There were, there were moments when, I mean, Rob Andrew kicked a lot. They all kicked a lot, to be honest. Mm. But I think the the fullback and the wingers for the USA were actually all right. Like, they took a lot of high yeah. balls. Yeah. They actually survived the bombardment. I didn't think the kicking was very effective. And only kind of in the second half, not kicking didn't really stop, but... England started scoring not from kicks, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was, there was even a point when the 13, it wasn't Harrison, it was someone else. Francis Clough. Was it Clough? Yeah, Francis oh, Clough was, was playing 13 for England, whoever the hell he is. He, yeah, exactly. I actually looked up some of the names. Um, one of the, who was the fullback? Webb. He kicked quite yeah. well. He kicked quite well off the tee as well. He ended up just not playing for England for a while and just becoming a surgeon. Like, yeah. In 1993, he, he becomes a surgeon in Bristol or something. Like he's not—he's not even playing rugby anymore. Didn't you say he, he was, sat his exams in New Zealand? He was sitting some of the exams in New Zealand. Yeah. Okay. Um, in the hope of becoming a surgeon. Yeah. And yeah, eventually just goes like, yeah, this is better than rugby, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. He he got he got dropped for someone else. I I, thought, I had a look on Wikipedia. He got dropped for someone else, and then eventually, hmm. yeah, he just decided surgery was for him, and now he does keyhole look, surgery on people. Yeah, keyhole surgery involves less blood and guts than playing with Dean Richards. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly less blood. Certainly yeah. less blood. <laughs> Very significantly yeah. so. Uh, so we're starting on the England team. I mean, yes, there's a, yeah. it's largely their strongest team, which is a distressing thought. There's a couple of like Brian Moore's rested. Graham Dawes yeah. comes in for him. Um, Rory Underwood's rested. Yeah, yeah. So which I Bailey. I think him and yeah Underwood and Moore not playing is probably the sole reason why this game went to shit so much. Yeah, because those were I think those have probably been their two best players so far in the tournament. Moore and so- Underwood. Mark Bailey's interesting because he is better known as a historian than as a rugby really? player. Really? As a rugby yep. player. So he wrote a book called After the Black Death, Economy, Society and Law in 14th Century England and is currently <laughs> a professor at Oxford University. 
Wow. So we had our game refereed by a Cambridge professor, and now we have one player yeah. on the wing for England. Who I originally thought was running touch in this game, but alas, it was not him. But that's <laughs> that's incredible. I mean, if he was running touch on the left touch line, I'm sure that him and Bailey could have had some really interesting philosophical discussions. <laughs> but <laughs> well, whilst, whilst they were setting up the fifth scrum, then they could have just had another little chat. Yeah, they could have done a little mini PhD while they were there. <laughs> <laughs> Bailey's had nine books published. Wow. Um, on strong, yeah, strong. like history, history of economics, history of kind of how society is moulded around that and is a world leading professor in it now. But yeah, in his youth also played a bit of rugby and happened to play for England for four years. <laughs> Just got onto the England team, you know, his, yeah. his dad was the coach or something. So <laughs> yeah, that's that's actually unreal that he's he's become hugely famous, but not for international rugby. That's yeah, I mean, you, you think of Dean Richards, he's carved his whole career from rugby, Rory Underwood's like rugby, like all these people, Brian Moore's carved a career out of rugby. But yeah, someone playing at the same time, same team, just, you know, we're not complete opposite direction. Yeah. And like he was, you know, at the time, basically best known as he was Cambridge at the, he was a Cambridge student, went on to lecture at Oxford, he splits the divide. Do you um, think he was taught by our friend whose name I've forgotten? Oh, possibly. The referee. Yeah. Oh, I hope so. Who is in the background of educating Rita. Yes. Which I also <laughs> forgot. So, I hope so. Yeah, he played for Cambridge at university. Got picked up to go and play for Wasps off the back of that. And okay. then made the England team. Or was building his career in academics, which has then gone on to become, you know, far more so. He was also for a while, uh, I remember the RFU committee, because of course he was. <laughs> does that that's this kind of screams to me that i mean this is going to sound terrible that the mm. amateur era had a better kind of way of people progressing through because after mm. 35 years old like rugby is what you've done professionally and therefore you haven't got anything else whereas i mean it's hallam amos is decided is that wasn't hallam amos, hallam amos. Who, yeah, yeah. yeah he's yeah, retired hallam, he's yeah. retired and yeah. got to be a doctor isn't he so yeah yeah, yeah you know that he had to make that decision but it's quite a difficult one most most people aren't able to do that in the professional era whereas yeah, obviously yeah. we're talking about quite a few people that have been able to do it in the amateur era but simon hammersley um, same thing he's retired to become like a financial consultant or something hammersley has um, has he yeah 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 he's retiring oh, he's, he's got he was he's been great player yeah he Ooh. was always a lot of fun because he was like the most bulk standard like six out of ten fullback imaginable but the he was always, skinniest, always... Evas- evasive fullback, yeah. And yeah. he does look like a financial consultant and always yeah. has. But <laughs> Him and Ben Smith. The thing is, yeah. that's yes. it, yeah. But now he's retired and he's going to actually go into that. He is going to look so much like a fullback, you would not believe. <laughs> yeah, he's going to have to embrace his other side. He just—he was the most Newcastle fullback imaginable. He was, was great. A big fan of Simon Hammersley. Yeah, great, yeah, great player. Like he was—he was one of those. Like he's not disappearing for international break. He's not disappearing. Like yeah. all of these things. He's not—he's not going anywhere. And he's just—and he's putting in six out of ten performances, as Sam Lana has been posting about. Yeah, he's uh, <laughs> yeah doing doing his job. Incredibly consistent player, and he's also called Simon Hammersley. Simon yeah. the Hammer Hammersley. <laughs> Better name than Jonathan Webb. That's, Jonathan that's the Webb, one thing. yeah. <laughs> and Ch- yeah, Chilcott as well. Ch- Chilcott, is, is oh. it? Oh, no, that's Didcot. Damn. It's a different thing altogether. Just a really boring part of the world. Sorry. <laughs> oh, well, it's funny you should mention Gareth Chilcott because we yes. do have another guest with us, which okay. is Gareth Chilcott's book. What? <laughs> which I bought for the sake of this podcast. 
And I read this morning all of the sections in here on the 1987 yep. Rugby World Cup. Okay. Right? Hello. Give, give, give us a rundown. <laughs> let me tell you, there is not a lot on the 1987 <laughs> Rugby World Cup. So there's sort of three stories he talks about. It's the first tour he ever went on internationally, like first tour outside the UK he ever went on. He was, you know, quite a young player at this point. He was in that other team. Uh, they mentioned on commentary at one point that he's really improved his fitness in the last year, despite going down for three breathers in the first yeah, half an hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dr. Jeff, Jeff <laughs> Vanterfield was constantly coming on and giving him treatment like, throughout. <laughs> so he was like down on his knees at one point. Get, yeah. And he's like, well, he's really improved his fitness, young man, <laughs> which is extraordinary. He was he, just... he was quoting one of the coaches, wasn't he? One of the coaches was like, he's just doing phenomenally well. Like, I think that coach <laughs> was just being positive to try and get him to keep playing. There's um, one point where Gareth Shilcott did a one-handed dive pass attempt and just stayed <laughs> down afterwards just because he was knackered. So yeah. there's, at the back of this book, five things Gareth Shilcott would change about rugby right now, right? Okay. okay. This is published in 1996. Right. Uh, it might be 97, it's around then anyway. It's after the 95 World Cup. Number one, wield scrum law. Okay, get rid of. Number two, sanctions for players earning off the field. So they talk about some players have been banned but for, yeah. you know, like taking sponsorships and so on, even though the game is just a professional. So you get rid of that. And number three, he wants equality between rugby playing countries in the southern and northern hemispheres in all matters. It's very vague, okay. but yeah, yeah, sure. Sure. Number four, get rid of those grey, dour people who call for players to have a more professional attitude and want to rid our game of its character. True, the nature of rugby today demands to be taken more seriously, but the disappearance of colourful figures we have both on and off the field would vastly diminish the sport, which I don't disagree. All four professional attitudes, but also I don't disagree. There's often often when people like say things like that, I think like, oh no, shut up. But when it's Gareth Chilcott, I'm fine with it. I want more Gareth Chilcotts. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. I want to be very clear. I want more, less James Haskells and more Gareth Chilcott. I don't have a bad word to say about Gareth Chilcott. No. <laughs> but number five, find the person who invented the bleep fitness test, take him to the Bristol docks and have him hung, drawn and quartered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm fine with that as well. That's fine. Yeah. I think, Having, yeah. I love that specific to what he would change about that <laughs> as well. It then says, I hope I've ended this book not with a moan, but with some genuine constructive ideas on how to improve the game. <laughs> That is constructive, yeah. Take yeah. the bleep test and burn him and uh, hang him, yeah. Well, I, I think the person who invented the Bronco as well, I don't even know, it must have come from the Broncos or something, but that, that person needs to go down to the Bristol Docks as well. Yeah, all, <laughs> just line them this, all up. This, pre, this pre-season, like I'd rather do what we call Fijian touch or something, where you're just running non-stop, mm. but at least there's mm. a ball in your hand, you're doing something sure. with it, yeah. So obviously Chilcott was a ball player. He was a baller. Yeah. So he, he definitely wanted more of that. That's that's what I'm. That is definitely about. what he's suggesting. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. the few mentions of the '87 World Cup, right? One is there's a story in here about how Bath wanted David Campagna to sign for them, and they're trying to line him up with a job. But that basically, he was offered another job in Milan, to play, and will go and play for them, and they were going to pay them. Damn. 200,000 and Baff were like, oh, I'm sure we can manage that. I'm sure we can manage that over three years. Uh, we can find him a job like that. And they're like, no, that's for six months. And that's the punchline. <laughs> but really trying to like, that was during the 87 World Cup, really trying to like what a sham amateurism, the greatest force for good in the world was. Shamatism, yeah. Yeah. Like he was being given enormously highly paid jobs to basically do nothing. To basically and that like, was in the 80s. Yeah. Mm. Like, I mean, the players today would be happy with that kind of money, mm. especially with the cap and everything that's going on. Wow, they really, they yeah. really thought it was going to explode in terms of superstardom, didn't they? 
yeah. um, hasn't quite hit those levels of uh, of income. But I think maybe with outside sponsorship, some of the top end players, I mean, Dan Carter at his peak must have been pulling in a reasonable amount. So, Hardrick um, Pollard like was on a million a year at Montpellier. Um, and he's Damn. dropped below that now for, for that. I don't know what he's on now. Yeah, but yeah. he was Is the highest it... player in the world. Here's what, look, what's Emily Scarrett on? Oh, no, I did know this. Emily Scarrett, but she's only on like 38 million. 38,000. 38, sorry, 38 million. 38 million. I was going to say, only. she's probably she's... on a teacher's salary, isn't she? Yeah. So yeah. most of the England women's team are on like 25 to 30,000. 30, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. And Emily Scarrett is listed as being the only player on significantly more than that. Yeah, okay. Um, so enough. she's somewhere in the sort of like. Yeah, thirty to forty-five range. I believe. Yeah. Okay. From, okay. They probably got, probably get some Adidas. Oh well, hopefully they get some Adidas sponsorship mm. and things like that. Because yeah, but that's still you know quite a pitiful amount for the best team in the world. Literally, yeah, yeah, yeah by by some stretch. <laughs> Just absolutely dominant. I mean, we we can talk about women's rugby. I went to watch Saracens play the other day, and I've mm. never seen it like when I watched the semi final against Quinns, and I just don't think I've seen a team that was just they were going to win the final, and obviously they did. I can yeah. say that in hindsight, but like that was just a team that was just I didn't think were beatable. Like mm-hmm. Marley Packer was just unbelievable. Poppy Cleal was like a bit part to the Marley Packer show. Like, yes. And when, when you've got someone who's that good, who is just that playing a part, like that's a team that is very, very good. Yeah. Me and me and Robbie discussed this before, but I love the contrast between Marley Packer's post-match interview and Shauna Brown's from the year before. When Shauna yep. Brown did this really like inspiring thing about like, you know, we are strong women. We can play rugby. We're going to grow the sport. Blah, blah. And then they asked Marley Packer, like a similar question, you know, how do you feel? You know, you've just uh, played really well. You've just won the premiership. What do you think? And then she just kind of goes, yeah, I'm kind of the dog bollocks, to be honest. Like, I think I, I, think I was amazing. <laughs> I think the rest of the team were amazing. And yeah, yeah, we really deserve this. And I'm glad I got player of the match. <laughs> I I am that good is basically yeah. what she's saying. Yeah, she's 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 phenomenal. Yeah. And uh, yeah. no, it, it was a pleasure to see that all live, actually. And uh, Were you at the game, Sav? Yeah. Right. I, I, wasn't at, I wasn't at the final. I was at, oh, the, okay. I was at the semi-final. I, I, right. I went to Stonex Stadium for um, the Quinns game. Um, mm. That was just on a whim, like the day before or even the morning of. I just woke up and went, oh, it's the semi-final today and I can, I've can i got nothing to do. Um, so we just, we bought tickets and uh, got on a train and went to watch the game. And oh. yeah, it was it was really, really good. I really mm. enjoyed it. I would mean, the atmosphere was good. That 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 uh, part of the stadium was absolutely packed, ran full and yeah. the ice cream, uh, the ice cream queue was quite long. But, um, <laughs> the only improvement I would have made is there should have been at least two ice cream trucks rather than yeah. one. Uh, I think I think you should run that by Jack Gareth Chilcott and see what he reckons. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's got I'm sure he would word. agree. Yeah. <laughs> I was at the the final of the uh, in Worcester, yeah. and I mean, yeah. A, I've, I said this on Twitter, but like watching, there's a turnover Marley Packer made just before half time, where she breaks off a scrum, runs back round because the extra wing kind of made a decent carry, and enters yeah. the, the the rug wins the turnover. And I've never seen something with like so close to me I was right in front of me I was on the second row back yeah. I've never seen something with such inevitability of like spotting her in my vision like that seeing yeah. her running around being like oh she's going to turn this over the moment yeah. she broke off that scrum mm. like, oh this is this is happening and it was an extraordinary thing to watch and, yeah, and this you said like, the atmosphere was amazing it was like I've been to you know I've been to the premiership final a few years ago and like mm. you know and I will have been to the one that's happening after we record this, but before, I know, 
before after we, we record release. this, but before it's before yeah, it comes we'll out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Out. okay. Yeah. But like the it was genuinely louder at the Premier League final than than Twickenham is with that that final we went to the other the other year was quite dead, wasn't it? Atmosphere wise, mm. that was what, Bath against Leicester Saracens. Saracens, Saracens. Saracens. Yeah, that was what twenty fifteen. Maybe we went to that. Um, yeah, and it was it was dead, man. Like, mm. yeah. Anyway, anyway. Um, no, the, the the final the finals in Twickenham are okay, but they're just there's a diff there is a different crowd to the ones you find at the women's game. The the women's yeah, game seems to be it. like that. You have to be reasonably diehard to be going to those games over the last few years. I think obviously now that they're getting more and more exposure, there's going to be a different crowd, but they're still very passionate and they. They know everyone's name. There isn't anyone in the yeah. crowd that doesn't know who's on the pitch. Whereas yeah. in in the finals, really in the Premiership point. finals, yeah. they, they might not necessarily know every single player. You know, mm. so there's yeah. a, there's a there's a difference in mentality, I think, between the two kind of games at the moment. Yeah, I like yeah. that. I think that's just a really yeah. interesting distinction, and yeah, very accurate and, also, and important. Yeah, again, as I made this point during the Six Nations, but the fact that you have groups of teenage girls going together, you have mm. mothers and daughters, like I, you know walking past a number of mothers and daughters together wearing matching shirts in the way you sometimes mm-hmm. do on the men's international. It, it was, it's a genuinely quite amazing and moving thing to see, the, the difference in crowd and the difference yeah. in and the fact that it's genuinely yeah. growing rugby in a way that's never happened before. Yeah. Audience. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's... the thing that hit me was when, I can't remember, there, there were people sitting next to me and one of the... Uh, one of the women in the crown said, Oh, I wish they wouldn't kick it so much. And I went, Okay, you're filling the stereotype. You're hitting <laughs> hitting all the right notes. This is a this is a diehard rugby fan sat in the crowd. You know, as soon as I heard that, I was like, Yes, we we've we've reached equality now. There yeah. must always be at least one. <laughs> yeah. You cannot go to a rugby rugby game without somebody saying that. Uh yeah. the rules. Yeah. <laughs> um to, to quickly journey back to Gareth Chilcott, much as I would probably yes. rather yes. talk about the Premier Fifteens. Um, sure. the <laughs> incredible thing about this is that most of the chapter on the 87 World Cup, right, mm-hmm. is Gareth Chilcott recounting how England stayed in the one hotel for the entire, the entirety of their stay in Australia here. Okay. They were in just one hotel. Gareth Chilcott was really pissed off about that when he was told just before they flew out because he liked going to different hotels and seeing different places. And he was rooming with Richard Hill to scrum off, not that one. No, um, no. Yes. The, the other Richard Hill. And most of the chapter is about how every morning Gareth Chilcott would open the curtains to check the weather. And he said, I don't know why, it was always sunny. Um, <laughs> and every morning there was a church opposite their, their room, opposite their, their window. And the clergy would put up a slogan that they thought was funny about like, come and visit our church, but it would be like funny and silly and quirky. Okay. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. CSI cafes and stuff. Getting people um, in. Yeah, get you know, getting people through the church doors. And every morning as he opened the window, as he opened the, opened the curtains, Richard Hill would ask him, oh, what's the sign this morning? Gareth Chilcott would read it to him and he'd kind of groan at it. And that is what most of the chapter is about. <laughs> That's what he's describing. He doesn't that was the biggest the part of his at life. All. Yeah, doesn't mention the rugby at all. Doesn't mention one game. Just as well. But talks a lot, talks a lot. He's about... all about hu- human connections, that man. Exactly. Human connections and real friendship. That's what he remembers about the whole day. Rugby values, man. Do you want some yeah. samples of the things that were in outside the church? Give, give, yeah, actually, I do. I do. I want to know what they were doing to get bums on pews in Australia <laughs> back in 1987. Fight truth decay. Brush up your Bible every day. Beautiful. Good. Nine Lovely out stuff. of ten priests agree. 
<laughs> Come in for a faith lift. Yeah, okay. I suppose uh, plastic surgery must have been kicking off. Yeah. <laughs> to which Richard Hill replied, you sound like Julian Clary. Wow. And again, a dated reference. Supermarket <laughs> yeah. sweep, maybe, or something. I'm not sure what Julian Clary did. He was just sort of there, wasn't he? He was just sort of yeah. on TV. Like, oh, look, it's he Julian was, Clary. He used to be everywhere. And now he's not. But nobody <laughs> yeah. really knew why. Yeah. Just sort yeah, of not a guy. As much. Not as much anymore. <laughs> okay, this is this is a good one. Mm-hmm. Come see our C-H, then asterisk, asterisk, asterisk. No, sorry. Asterix, asterisk, just two asterisks. Two asterisks. Two asterisks, okay. Then C-H again. Arch... Uh, Come to our church. What's missing? You are. Oh. You are. I'm, Richard I'm, Hill groaned yeah. and pulled a pillow over his head. Reported. Yeah. Same. C- correct. Correct response. Yeah. Sav and I are both doing that right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Seven prayerless days make one spiritually weak. Yeah. Oh, I'm, okay. I'm just, just, yeah. Just yeah. poor. I mean, I mean, this is obviously someone come up. They've sat down. They're bored. They've got a lot of free time. To be yeah. fair, you can't you can't pray twenty four seven. Although maybe that's your job if you're in the in the church. I'm not really sure. But it's like yeah, twenty four no twenty three seven and one other seven. hour is going on these. You know, God yeah, yeah. doesn't mind. A whole okay. hour going on these. <laughs> <You've got> a- <laughs> Maybe it's the, you know each week. Uh, what half an hour to sleep, half an hour to come up with this. Okay, uh, Richard Hill said that last one was not bad. Okay. Not not bad. Um, he enjoyed that not one. Bad. Okay. He quite enjoyed yeah, yeah. that one. Shows the a strong half's brain. Okay. The next one, sing a hymn for him. Okay, that that one hits close to home. Yeah, sure. Sing a that's hymn. That's a him. good bit of wordplay. Richard yeah. Hill's verdict: nowhere near as good as the no, last one. Not as good as the last <laughs> one. <laughs> So, have we got like a league table of Richard Hill's favourite ones? We're, coming, yeah. we're coming up. I think there's one more. It's impossible to lose your footing on your knees. Which Just is factually is, accurate. Well, I, you already lost your footing. I don't, I don't know what it is. You know, there are many things, allegations that have been levelled against the church that that could possibly be referring to. Richard Hill Richard then thoughts, says, yeah. enough, enough. I can't take this anymore. <laughs> Hands over his ears as he rushes to the bathroom. Maybe he just needed the piss. I think it's, yeah, I think yeah, it's interesting that they've still. I, I don't. I think they've still taken this where you still partner with someone. Like it's a whole like mm. thing, isn't it? Like there's that's yeah. what rugby teams do. You partner. It doesn't matter how rich you are. If you're getting two hundred thousand pounds for six months' work, you would still be grouping or rooming with someone in your hotel in Australia. It's, yeah, it's nice. Yeah, it's Other than nice. like. Connor Murray's deal with Alan Jones was Alan takes the captaincy, but he keeps the captain's suite. Okay, which is very smart. No one else has a roommate. Yeah, yeah. just good negotiations. <laughs> very, very good. Uh, <laughs> my, my last thing on the game, because obviously we should talk about the amazing game that we had. S- someone did drop the ball over the line. I've I've written down Gary Reese, but I don't even know if that was a player on the pitch. So <laughs> Gary Reese. Worth noting for this podcast, um, yeah. and this podcast alone, because he is the last England international picked whilst playing for Nottingham. Okay, big big news for Nottingham. Yep. So yeah. him and Brian Moore, but Brian Moore left Nottingham obviously to go and play for other teams. Gary Reese okay. was just spent his entire career mostly in Nottingham. Yeah, yeah, faithful at Nottingham. Yeah. yeah. 
fair. I mean, that that's that's. I mean, Nottingham. Have they got the shirt hung over the wall? Do we know? I hope so. I hope so. And well, particular note for you because he yeah. was born in Long Eaton. Was he now born in Long Eaton? Spent his entire career at Nottingham RFC. Went on to coach them after he retired. Twenty-three so, caps for England. Played in the eighty-seven and ninety-one World Cups. There is a genuine chance I might have seen him down the club at some point. Just I wouldn't know. <laughs> I will. I will. No, but genuinely, I will have to talk to people about this because chances are somebody knows him within the club. Mm. Yeah, I suppose. Oh, nice. Very cool. Yeah. Get him, get him to take a coaching session or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe teach him, teach him how to do the try scoring one because I'm, I'm pretty That's sure it idea. was him that dropped the ball over the line. Mm. I'm not 100% sure yeah. off the back of one of the malls. Yeah, maybe he... the kids should give him a coaching session. I think that'd be a okay, good idea. Yeah, five, just five meters diving out. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. On repeat. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's a good idea. That moment. Yeah, I'm yeah, sure. I'm sure I'd be very happy to hear about the fact that someone's watched him do that um, from 1987. Also, I know you sent me the link to this game, and it was great to watch. This game didn't actually finish by that. No. Point. Yeah. Okay. No. So, <laughs> so this game was uploaded once again by my arch nemesis Gary Lambert, yep. who is on the flank okay. for the USA and uploaded his own games for the US to YouTube okay. in amongst his career as a semi-professional poker player. it's a bizarre world cup wow and yeah but he didn't upload the full game so it just ends and i I can't even tell you when it ends because there's no minutes on the screen i like i just i was just like okay like i was i'll be honest with you when i was watching every time a whistle blew i just tapped 10 seconds further forward yeah yeah because it was just it was getting to the point where i was like i'm not actually gonna have to sit through five hours of scrums but so I tap and I got to a point where it was a scrum called a double tapped and then it just stopped and said, do you want to <laughs> yeah. watch something else? And I was like, okay, yes. so the game ended. So I went back a five seconds and I just realized that mid scrum, this footage just finished. Yeah. Yeah. The, the world yeah. just ended uh, in yeah. this game. Just Cameras just... stopped working. The, the, yeah, the crowd yeah. actually just got up and but, left. But you know what? Usually I would kind of be like, oh yeah, well, I should probably go and find the last few minutes of the game. And this one, I did not care. Yeah, I was <laughs> what really, really thankful. So. I think there was three three backs moves that actually involved something other than just kind of kicking the ball straight up in the air, and they they were nice yeah. enough to to watch. Mm. Um, and th- th- maybe the Amer I have, the American try was quite good. I think mm. the American try yeah. was quite a good yeah. one. Um, I wasn't sure whether his foot was in touch. I don't know if we can I, go oh, back he- there. He goes into touch twice. In the yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was he was like the the number five for England. Just absolutely gave him a massive push. It wasn't a tackle. Just gave him a big push. And I'm pretty sure his right foot just slammed straight on the on the whitewash. And then he dives over the line. But, and the referee um, just gives it because yeah, the referee's yeah. just like they're a little bit. They're quite a lot behind. Like I'm gonna give this. No one, it no one cares. Did come yeah. from a dummy wall move, which I liked. Mm. I mean, they set yeah. at the wall and then switched it to the blind side and oh, went that way. Oh, that's true, actually. Because all the England yeah. forwards kind of drifted right and then yeah. the, the, it came back the other way, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. From a defensive point of view. That try is, you know, you're going to say like well-finished, even though he does go into touch. Sure, yeah. yeah. Guess, I guess we'll say well-finished. I like by... the tiptoeing he does. Yeah. yeah. Mike Purcell <laughs> yeah. on the wing for the USA, right? Ooh. Who is... The answer to the kind of pub quiz question that no one will ever get correct, which Most is of these players are. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to be fair. who scored the USA sevens team's first ever try? Wow! Okay. And it was Mike Purcell. They mentioned uh, that in commentary, on... not the try, but the fact he played for the sevens. Yeah, I think. Yeah, so he was primarily well. I mean, he'd been on a American football scholarship at college, 
took up rugby and went like, oh, this is so much better and yeah. went into focusing on rugby. Okay. Um, wow. So went on to coach it. He played for the World 15 alongside Kevin Higgins, who wasn't playing in this game. Oh, yeah. Guttingly. But, oh, no, he was, he, playing. Was. he was playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, of course. But he only gets the ball like twice, which yeah, is I the only time the USA do anything good is when he gets the ball. And otherwise, because <laughs> I, I realised we didn't talk about the USA team, didn't run for the lineup. But also, why would we? No. It's terrible. So, <laughs> boring. Um, he had two sons, Brendan okay. and Jamie. Both of them went on to be selected for the all-college, Ameri- all-American team okay. after playing at San Diego State. And Jamie Purcell, his, his younger son, also was in the wider training squad for the San Diego Breakers in pro rugby in that ill-fated league that lasted okay, one year. Yeah, that just collapsed, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he ne- never actually played a game, but he was in the squad alongside some truly extraordinary names. <laughs> I mean, so there were, you know, there was Zian Gwenya in that squad, Kurt Morath, oh, uh, Phil McKenzie, Ryan Matthias, Mikey Teo, a young Mikey Teo and a young Joe Tafete. Um, okay. Uh, it's actually uh, not the worst you know, squad some, some good players in the world. Yeah, it's not just the Legion squad. There's no Marnano in there. Phil, yeah, Phil McKenzie hasn't. became famous for bad things eventually, hasn't he? Did he? Or was that, was that a different name? Like, did he end up coaching the Canadian men's team? Or is that a different... I think he's uh, like skills coach or something with Canada now. Right. Oh, okay. But then the, the Canadian men... The, is it the Canadians men's team that are in just complete freefall? I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah they might be they're in an atrocious state. They're and Kim yeah, Jong is somehow still in charge. There you go. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's yeah. clicking into place. Why I'm remembering is that not necessarily his fault that he's a part of that setup, but yeah. Things, I mean, things it's a have not bit gone of both. Well. Yeah. 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 Things, um, things have not gone well. Unfortunately, Scrum off, they had a man called Tom Bliss, who I have no memory of, but apparently played five games for Wasps over three years. Never heard okay. of him. <laughs> no. One cap for the USA. Five games for Wasps over three seasons. Three seasons. I mean, you've you've done a, you've done well to get money out of those three seasons. Then to finish five yeah. games as a as a return and a half. Should we should we start having a look at some of the stuff in the first half of this game? Go yeah. on, uh, get some, some of minutes. it out the way because I am still kind of furious about Peter Winterbottom's stupid kick. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah. When, so this immediately follows Mike Harrison doing the most. The I mean. A kick that I think sums up this whole World Cup, which is that he kind of burns his man on the outside because no one's positioned correctly, but it does involve some good yep. skill. And it's like, well, you know, it's it's all off and there's reason for it, but actually he's done something quite good there. And yep. then he's like 10 metres out from the line and he goes to chip it over the fullback, over yes. our good friend Ray Nelson. And instead he just hoofs it as high as he can and the kick goes backwards. Yeah. He tries to do a chip over the fullback and kicks it backwards and horizontally about 15 metres away. And his own man catches it. And that's how yeah. that's the frustrating thing, but his, is that his he own gets away forward, with it. Miles away and inside him, like setting up yeah. for the next phase if such a thing existed. There, there was oh. another kick. I think there was another kick like that. Was it in the second half? Or maybe it's the same kick where the commentator goes, not his best kick. And it was like, no, <laughs> it's, it's, it's absolutely yeah. atrocious. You can say that again. Also, at one point in the commentary, they started just talking about American football with someone. Yeah. Um, yeah. Scott, we'll, Scott something. We'll get, we'll get onto Colin him. Scott. We'll, okay. we'll get okay. onto him, I think. But yeah, Peter Winterbottom yeah. gets the ball five meters out and sees like three or four men in front of him. And just goes, yeah, I want to kick this now, even though it's definitely not going to work. Goes for it, 
Mike Harrison looks at him and just goes, what the hell are you doing? And obviously, I think it's a USA forward catches it behind the try line and grounds it. Not even the fullback. And that infuriated me, and I immediately wrote him on the Dick of the Day list, and every time <laughs> the Winterbottom did anything, including scoring tries, you didn't, you I just looked care. at him and just thought, like, shut up. <laughs> just absolutely, you, you've absolutely messed up too much. Yeah. I, I think whoever came up with the England game plan to kick, it, for me, is in the running for Dick of the Day. I don't know if it was Rob Andrew. I don't know if it was a coach. I don't know who did it, but it was absolutely appalling. It just, yeah. Some shocking, shocking decision making. Uh, spoilers, but the coach Martin Green is fired immediately after this tournament, which is just a okay. proud tradition for England coaches. I think. Yes. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Uh, did they fire Dr. Jeff Banterfield though? I think he was Australian. I oh, was he Australian. They couldn't hire. They didn't. They couldn't get him in the first place. Maybe oh, they no could like, do like what they did with Eddie Jones uh, or with Matt Proudfoot and just bring him in immediately after the tournament. Yeah, just spend true. all their money on getting him in. There is, however, a moment where. Rugby gets completely revolutionised, right? Because, but by Kevin Higgins himself. Mm. So there's been a common theme throughout this World Cup where you can automatically score a try by being a fullback and standing sort of 20, 30 metres behind the attacking line, running in from miles away at pace, and you will automatically break the line. Yeah, and as yeah. long as you either pass it or are fast, you know, you will score. And Kevin Higgins revolutionises rugby here because the, there's a point about two minutes into the game where John Webb does this. He stood miles back from the, def- the attacking line and thinks, right, we're, we're going to score here. Starts running, starts running, hits the line, receives the pass, and Kevin Higgins tackles him. Puts him down. <laughs> it's changed rugby forever. And John <laughs> Webb keeps trying to do it, but Kevin Higgins... Keeps just turning up and going up. Like, no, I'm going to tackle you, actually. <laughs> John Webb's just kind of going, you're not allowed to do that. What are you on about? And then checks the law book afterwards and turns out you are allowed to do that. Yeah. You are allowed to tackle opposition players. Yeah. I, I quite enjoyed the commentary team saying, like, America are well known for their defensive capabilities mm. and things like that. And I was like, what do you mean they're just tackling? Like, because I haven't seen many other games, but obviously as you describe it, I'm like, well, they were just tackling as you would normally yeah. in a yeah. rugby game. That's and it. still like, conceding a lot of points. It, ha- it, it has been quite common so far in this tournament that like teams aren't necessarily committed to tackles all of the time. That yeah. sometimes you get players who just can't really be bothered to make tackles in the second <laughs> half of games. Um, it really sounds like it would suit me this era of rugby. Like, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm in. <laughs> We'd make a hell of a halfback combination, Sal. Oh, like, phenomenal. <laughs> 1987. You don't even need to run as a 10, as far as I could hit you. I mean, Michael oh. Liner's not necessarily known to be a running 10. Rob Andrews, I don't think I really saw him run with the ball that much mm. uh, in this game, for sure. He was a pivot. You know, it's, it sounds like you could just stand there and pass your 13 and hope for the best. It's lovely. More of that. Yeah. I, as I say, defense completely optional. Positioning doesn't matter at all. Um, <laughs> Defensive oh. positioning in particular seemed to be a big problem. Like I don't, you, you, you hear about closing the door, shutting the door, whatever we want to call the thirteen, kind of making a hit on a man. That, that didn't seem to be a thing. Never, never saw a thirteen kind of that. You, you're talking about Higgins there making tackles, but the, even in the England side, no one really seemed to, I don't know, make that hit that you would normally see sure. in a professional game. Yeah, there was yeah. a moment in the second, deep into the second half, where I knew the USA finished the game with six, just six points, yeah. and they had line up five meters out, and there was a mall. And I knew they were going to drop it under no pressure <laughs> because was, I knew they didn't score head, yeah. again. Yeah. And so the only ever result when you're that close to the try line is you drop it under no pressure because there is no defending at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Essentially. 
I mean, we've spoken about the lineouts. They 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 were all throwing one-handed, right? Mm. I think both teams. But the commentator specified that the Americans were doing it gridiron style, and yeah. I was like, well, what's the England hooker doing if it's not yeah. gridiron style? Like it's the same anyway. There's one point where <laughs> the hooker throws like does an overthrow, which hits the floor and is knocked on. And Gordon Bray describes it as a beauty. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there's a couple of those. He was like, oh, that's a beautiful spiral. And then he goes, not straight, though. And it's just like, well, then it's just like, what? They're so obsessed with the idea of him doing gridiron stuff. Like, like he's asking the other commentators. And then at one point, when they're saying for a line out, Gordon Bray says, I wonder if we'll see some gridiron passes now. Yeah. It's just all he wants to talk about. He's so obsessed with the idea of Hopefully they gridiron it to the other side of the pitch where Gary Hine is stood on the wing. And there's a point where he says, none of the backs have done any gridiron throws yet. It's like, yeah, well, you're not meant to throw the ball forward, are you? idea that he's just you could be watching a different sport mate this is why we didn't have many fans because it's constantly going i wonder if this could be a different game yeah we could change it mid mid game if i have a chat with the ref are the americans allowed to throw no no one's got any badminton rackets out either (laughs) but england always kicking the ball because they love football so that's that's (laughs) That's true nailed that the the commentary team seemed a bit bizarre to me right because on one hand, like they, there wasn't much to talk about. Like they were no. just like, okay, there's some things happening, and they kept mentioning that the scrums had a certain winner and a loser. And, I, and to be honest, I couldn't tell the difference. <laughs> and then there was a point when they were discussing the gridiron. They literally discussed this guy's like dimensions. I yes. know you said we got onto it. Was it Colin Scott? I think. Yeah. I, they just go on. We can talk dimen- about him now. Yeah. They discussed his dimensions very literally. He gave us like how tall he was, how many pounds he was, all of this. And then there's a moment when they say goodbye, when the commentator says, "Well, our assistant Rachel is giving you the yes." yes. So I recall this. Like, what? <laughs> couldn't believe this. 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 Well, our production assistant Janet says uh, you'll do her. <laughs> But anyway, we wish you all the best uh, with the St. Louis Cardinals. And I'm sure New Zealand viewers were interested to hear of your success. And we'll certainly follow your progress. And uh, thanks for joining us. And uh, we're sorry to see you've been lost to rugby. Yes, thank you very much, Good. My pleasure. It's, it's the you'll do her. Yeah, that's yeah. the, that's the way he phrases it. You'll do her? Like, what? what Our we production just assistant to? Janet says you'll do her. Yeah. It's the the... The way he's just, he's talking about, oh, and Richard Hill goes into touch. What are your measurements? Yeah, yeah. There's no break between them. He doesn't know whether he's commentating or interviewing this guy. Uh, Yeah. That's coming sat next to him. So, yeah. So you say, so Colin Scott, he's an Australian who has recently got an NFL contract, basically. Mm. Has come and sat next to him because, let's face it, Mark Ellis has gone for a nap at halftime. Um, (laughs) And isn't enjoying the game. Uh, so Mark Ellis has gone to sleep, so they've gone and subbed him in for this other guy who we, plays a different sport and admits at one point that he's forgotten the rules of rugby. Yeah. Um, and he's completely I think he winging was a rugby, it. He was a rugby league guy anyways, originally. Oh, was he? <laughs> yeah, he was originally rugby league. So like having me on the union was even more confusing. And then and then he was talking about the St. Louis Cardinals a lot. And, mm. Yeah. And Gordon Bray says at one point, despite him being in Australia, I know many New Zealanders will be following your progress. 
Right. It, I got so confused because I was looking this guy up. I put Colin Scott, New Zealand into YouTube or, YouTube or Google or whatever, and it didn't come up with anything. I was like, OK, so which part of this is wrong? The name or the New Zealand bit? Ooh. Yeah. And apparently the New Zealand bit. And he's on the comms for like 15 minutes. Yeah. Just yeah. As the co-commentator. Long, long session. So there's a point where he starts telling this cool story of how he got drafted in the most boring fashion. And then Peter Winter yeah. just scores in the background. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like the game just continued. It was an interview. It was like an episode of This Is Your Life or something. Like Parkinson had come out. And rugby just happened to be happening or not happening for the majority of the time in the background. There's Um, a point where Gordon Bray asks him what his salary is. Yeah, yeah. Oh, 100%. Because he was talking about a golden rainbow or something or or, or a pot at the end of the rainbow. Yeah. Yeah, then then he segues it by saying like, Mike Harrison might now find the end of the rainbow when he makes a break. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Mike Always Harrison did like make that. a good break at that point. That was a fantastic break. He made a couple of them, but um, it wasn't like he, he had to work hard to make those connections. And he starts saying like, oh, that's, you know, per per season. He's like, okay, so you could be a millionaire in a few years time. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, yeah, I planned on sticking around and playing AF- NFL for quite a long time, um, which spoilers, yeah. he didn't. No. Um, <laughs> I, I looked that up as well. He he was like, oh, he was like, oh yeah. In my position, you usually last only two or three years, but I'm planning on going longer. And then I looked it up, and he, I think he lasted maybe one year, and then he moved on to do some wrestling in the WWE. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, he he ended up he ended up moving into a wrestling contract. I mean, that's I think, pretty so. cool. Uh, I, I imagine. Well, with his dimensions, the, um... well, you know, he's able to do it. <laughs> Very true. His dimensions, which he knows inside out. I imagine when we get onto the 1991 World Cup that Gordon Bray's going to get him on comms again and ask him all about wrestling. <laughs> yeah, well, we can only hope and dream that during that game that he gets brought back. Yeah. Because um, uh, it did bring also, a bit of colour commentary. Yeah, and also explains what happened with the production assistant, Janet. Oh, I mean, I was, we can't possibly hear that. I was I was shocked when that got, like... Yeah, I didn't understand why they felt they would. A game of rugby was happening. There was commentary that was already a little bit left field, and then he just felt the need to bring up the fact that Janet was a big fan of uh, <laughs> of this guy. I mean, Janet shot her shot, perhaps I don't know. All was proper. Yeah. Either one of them's not that great. Can and we the other just, one's just yeah? Can we just double check if he's now married to a woman called Janet? <laughs> we quickly, quickly look up Will. I think it was Will Scott or Colin Scott. Colin, Colin Scott. Scott. Yeah, Scots. Scots, um, plural. Oh, with an S. There was two of them. Yeah, <laughs> he was that big. I, I haven't really got much else to say I, on the game other than I suffered oh, it. I, I survived. I um, want to mention on Colin Scott. Sorry, he is. Uh, you can book him as a celebrity speaker on the website. List him as an inspiring person and an Aussie hero, and describe him as having an outstanding NFL career, which lasted one season. Yeah, oh, he, wow. he played. Um, he played seven seven games, I think, in one season. <laughs> Yeah, that was it? But that's it's more games cool. than I've played for them. So yeah, yeah. that's true. Fair that's true. <laughs> and more so, than Christian Wade plays. So that's it true. Is more than Christian Wade. Wonder if you got as much money as Christian Wade? Probably not. Um, tell you what, can I give you a quote? Go for go it. Right. On. Colin creates a real affinity with his audience, both men and women alike. When Colin speaks, he really gets his audience thinking about what they can achieve and the importance of goal setting and vision. Yeah, he shows convincingly the setting direction, aligning constituents and motivation are key to successful leadership. Colin's sense of humor, strong presence and air of confidence make him stand out from the pack. Right? Do you want to know who that quote is by? Go on. 
Tony Stoker, who is the executive director of Kellogg's. (laughs) 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 He's being sold by the cereal man. Um, (laughs) Tony the Tiger's best friend and boss. Is on first name terms with with our Colin. Colin Scott's. I mean, that's, that's a that's a that's a that was left field. I didn't expect that was the left field. No, 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 no. I thought you were going to say like it was like Joe Clarkson or something. I don't know. Somebody, somebody involved in. The <laughs> I thought US it was going to be Brian Moore. I thought it was going to be someone like from the rugby Gareth world. Gareth Chilcott. Just, like, yeah. yeah. I mean, if Chilcott had said that, I would have just been like, yes. Yeah, I yeah. will buy him as an after dinner yeah. speaker, but but because Chil- Chilcott doesn't put his name to something unless it's it's gold standard. Very true. But absolutely now it's the not. Kellogg's man. You're suddenly disagreeing with it. Oh, absolutely. I don't believe it for a second. <laughs> He's just trying to flog me some Cheerios. I don't, you know, I don't even know if Cheerios and Kellogg's are the same brand. Could be. So the one other thing. <laughs> if they're not, he's doing a bad idea. Trying he's, to he's, he's not nailed it. Yeah. Please buy our rivals. Yeah. Please, please, please buy some wheat a bit. Maybe it's some reverse psychology. I don't know. I mean, that, that next because actually yeah. that is true. Given that he is now your arch rival, if he tries to flog you Cheerios, you're more likely to buy Kellogg's. It's very smart reverse psychology. Wow. He, yeah, he's he's in the game there. I don't know. Colin Scott ever work as an advertisement for for Kellogg's? Maybe he did like a an American ad or something. Maybe he grew up to be Tony the Tiger. Situation is the head of Kellogg's needs to be motivated by a former (laughs) NFL (laughs) rugby league player. Look, they can get down as well whilst rolling around on their billions of pounds, and um, yeah, they they need a pick me up from an ex NFL professional wrestler. Yeah. Sometimes you're really struggling to sell ricicles and you just need to hear from Tony Scott's his measurements. And that's how the strawberry flavoured Cocoa Pops come out because yeah. you just get inspired. <laughs> I saw those the other day in the shop and I just thought to myself, they can't taste nice. Like, I'm, I just, I'm sorry. Like, if they tasted good, someone would have been selling them before. <laughs> They're strawberry Cocoa Pops now. Strawberry flavoured Cocoa Pops. I do not like the sound of that. Yeah, my, my, I need to take a picture maybe and post it. But it, yeah, it's uh, I'm pretty sure it was straw. I mean, if they weren't strawberry flavored, they were certainly strawberry colored. Like they were pinky red, like a raspberry style. Yeah, I, I they they didn't. I didn't want to buy them. Put them that way. <laughs> no, I was I was yeah. I'm going to avoid them. This Love podcast is not sponsored by strawberry flavored cocoa pops. A great reverse psychology there. Goodness, Kellogg's <laughs> has spent a lot of money on this podcast, haven't they? This is <laughs> number number one advert. Apparently. Robbie, you should try that for Squarespace at some point in the future. It's a great idea. It's a great idea. Don't use Squarespace. Don't use Squarespace. That would that work? I doubt. They bring in. They bring in too much. Mark. You'd be too busy or something. That's true. Yeah. They, yeah you... I highly doubt they like they wouldn't sign off on me using Jonathan Sexton names in an advert. So okay. did their, you? You have to put to them what you might want to say, so, and yeah. then they just. I have to send them the segment for before each video, before each video is allowed to go up. And then, and then they edit out like all the funny bits and then just say, <laughs> just repeat Squarespace 10 times and that's all we want. Yeah. Pretty yeah. much. Yeah. They've yeah. got more and more lenient as I've gone on, but in the early okay. days, like the third time I tried to do something with them. Yeah. They didn't like the idea of Jonathan Sexton being used. And this was on a Friday afternoon, I think. And okay. you know, the team was due to play again on a Saturday. So I had to really quick, and I was on. I was waiting for a train. So like, oh on yeah, way walking back from the train station, I had to literally on my phone write whilst walking a new Squarespace segment. Get in, record it, 
and get it off them as soon as possible so they, they can be up before the team played again on a Saturday. Such is, the, such is the life of a... Creator. Rugby. Content, content creator. Yeah, rugby. YouTube, yeah, YouTube person. Well, I can see, I mean, you you might not be able to see the video. I don't know if video goes live. It probably doesn't. But the the amount of notes that I'm seeing on the mm. wall and scrawlings are just uh, squidges or, or Robbie, insane amount. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm seeing some notes. I mean, you don't need to tell us what any of them are, but they look intense. Um, um, you can see okay. this note is here. It says George Ford Good in all caps. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. That, that one's a that good is... one. Like a very high proportion of what we do in the office is just talk about George Ford. Just and talk about George Ford. Not joking. Like, yeah, yeah, it happens a lot. But <laughs> just it just says George Ford good. Owen Farrell question mark. We'll find out. <laughs> Depend depends on his tackling of the day. Sure, um, sure. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. So before we go back to the game, mm-hmm. I thought that I would lift spirits by doing something completely different but somewhat related. So this is the last game of the USA in this uh, mm. in this Rugby World Cup. Oh, heartbreaking and stuff. Okay, it is, it is. And look, we'll have our leaving party for them later on. But before okay. that, I thought that we could, uh, for last day of term vibes, we could do a little quiz between the two of you. Oh God! I'm so losing. I'm okay. about to list you. 20 names, right? I want you to tell me whether it is a former USA rugby player or an American rapper. Their okay. real name. The real name. What okay. you, so, what Oddly, you, my American rapper knowledge is going to help more. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> so we'll put it to you. And what we'll say is you can, you can say rapper or rugby player, right? Okay. And I'll score it between the two of you. But you can go double or nothing by either saying what position the person played Ooh, if oh, okay. player, or saying what rapper you think they are i am going to be destroyed but i don't think game. so i don't think you are so it's your choice whether you do that or whether you just just say rapper rugby player okay are we ready okay, okay. i'm ready so so ready the first one is jay wilkerson so Field. okay you I'm, say rapper. I'm, going, I'm going rugby player i'm going for the differential here i'm going rugby okay player, okay yeah. Sav, you are correct. One point to you. He's a flanker yeah, who, played, who made his debut in 1991. Okay. Like, 91. Johnny Wilkinson prequel. Yes, yeah. the Johnny Wilkinson. Like Jay wow. Wilkinson. Jay Wilkinson. Number two, okay. Jeff Williams. Rapper. Jeff Williams. I mean, both. Both. I bet there's both. You reckon, you reckon there's... It's quite... A, it does seem like quite a common name. Wait, is he Williams. G-Off or Jet? 
Jeff, Jeff with a J. Yeah, Jeff yeah. with a J. Jeff with a J. Jeff with a J. Rugby. I'm going rugby player. Really? I'm going rugby. Mm, uh, no, no, not rugby. Rapper. I'm going rapper. Yeah. Je- Jeff Williams yeah. is the real name of Young Thug. Young Thug. So wow. that's two points to you, Sav. Unbelievable. Uh, hey, can you just set my first answer? <laughs> nope. Nope. Oh, uh, number three, Jonathan Kirk. Kirk Kirk is not a rapping surname, is it? Like that's I, I've got to go rugby player. Kirk? It doesn't sound like you've come from a background that would end up in rapping. Robin? Oh, no. Um, oh, no, I'm going r- rapper. Jonathan Kirk is the baby. So Robbie, you get a point. Wow. Yeah. That's the baby. Who's the who's the baby? But you have to be the known baby. as the baby if you've got a surname Kirk, because it just doesn't fit. <laughs> Yeah, and, this, and nobody's gone double or nothing yet. But you don't. You never have to. You never have to. Number four, ten, uh, twenty, twenty. Jesus. Okay. <laughs> no Number four, Calvin Whiting. Calvin Whiting is a rapper. I'm pretty sure that's a familiar name. I've heard I mean, that he's before. Sell, he's selling me on the rapper. I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go rapper. I'm gonna go rapper. <laughs> he made his debut at center for the USA in 2017. No! Oh, oh, that's where I recognized literally the name. five years ago. Number five, Chester Allen. Chester. Yes. The word and name Chester Allen. I mean, that it seems like he'd be a rower more than a rugby player, but I suppose they might have a crossover. Uh, I'm going I'm going rugby player. I'm going rugby okay. player. I'm going rugby player. Although, yeah, 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 yeah. You're rugby player. You're both correct. Yep. Yeah, nice. Center made his debut in 1912. So you both get a point for that. Wow, yeah. you've really gone back in the archives to this. Yeah, yeah. Number wow. six, Pete Jovian. I didn't think America was civilized back then. Um, <laughs> rapper. Pete Jovian. Jove, Jove. I'm going rugby player. So it is a scrambled name of Megan the Stallion. So. What? Rapper. <laughs> okay. Uh, right. So her, her surname is Pete. Oh. So n- number seven. <laughs> Bell Callis Cephas. Bell Calisephus sounds like a rapper, to be honest with you, but so could be left field. Because of that, I'm going rugby player. <sighs> it, it sounds too left field to be. I'm going rapper. Let's go the differential. Yeah, why not? That's Cardi B. It's Cardi B. <laughs> of course, of course. Obviously, that's yeah. Who doesn't? Yeah, know and Cardi, Cardi B, B has four caps at fullback. <laughs> Courtney She's, Mackay. Yeah. She was in, no, no, she was in the B team, so she didn't actually Co- win caps. Courtney Mackay Courtney is Mackay. a rugby, double or nothing. Okay, that is a rugby playing second row. Oh, Robbie, you're going to double. Okay, 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 okay. So, Courtney Mackay. No, I'm going centre. I'm saying, I'm saying Courtney okay. Mackay was, is a set, is a real life centre. Okay. Courtney Mackay plays second row for the USA. Well no. done, Sam. Oh. Look at that knowledge. First Look cap in 2008. Uh, number cool nine. Yeah. Number nine, John Muldoon. John, well, so, because there's, there's the John Muldoon, but you said only in USA internationals. Yeah, not the former bearded Connaught captain. John Muldoon. was another John Muldoon. I'm going rugby player. Um, there is, there is a John Muldoon who was either a rapper or... There was. There was a second John Muldoon, wasn't there? Was a rapper? Okay. okay. Well, I've gone rugby. No, no, no. Now, was, was, can I make a, so. Okay. Was the other John Muldoon, and I don't know if this counts as double or nothing because I don't know the position, were mm. they part of the, one of the two USA teams that won a gold medal at the Olympics? 
I'm going to give you two points for that, Robbie. Oh, unbelievable. Because <laughs> I suppose the seven, sevens wouldn't have a position necessarily. Yeah. No, no, but no. The I knowledge mean, of when. when oh, back um, when it existed. Back in like 1920s, like 1920 or 1924. Yeah, um, it was 1920. Yeah, 1920. 1920. He made his debut. Um, Unbelievable. Amala Diamini. <laughs> I mean, uh, rugby player. Char- uh, Amala Diamini. Rapper, rapper. Doja Cat. Yes. Yeah. Um, that that rang a bell in my head. I think. Yeah. Jermaine Cole. Rapper. J Cole. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. But you both get a point. Sav, you get two. Kirk Cassigan. Rapper. Uh, another Kirk. Yep. Big, Kirk's like, the first name is Star. What is this Star Trek? Bloody Kirk heavy. <laughs> um, I'm, go- I'm going. I'm going rapper. I'm going rapper. Who okay, knows? Robbie. I said rapper. Yeah. Both wrong. <laughs> Played hooker. Um, <laughs> okay. Taylor Mokate. Rugby player. Taylor. Yeah, I always get sort of South Sea Island surnames, and I assume they're rugby player. Yeah, no matter what. Yeah, the flanker made his debut in 2014. Uh, right. So you're both correct. So there are the six left. Okay. So Dominique <laughs> Jones. Dominique. Um, rapper. Ooh, that's a rapper. Yeah, that's a rapper. Yeah, that's Lil Baby. Lil Baby. This How time, not that baby. Rappers are a lot of babies. Too many. Babies way too many. Jason Hunter. Rapper. Rugby player. Rugby player. That's Inspector Deck. So Robbie, that's a point to you. <laughs> wow. Okay. Antoine Patton. <laughs> one pattern rapper for R- rugby player that is big boy <laughs> big boy that when the babies grow up yeah yeah, yeah. It's the opposite big boy. Of little baby big boy. um big boy. so with a couple left the score is currently sav 17 robbie 14 so it's all oh, okay. to play for oh okay. um, so hold on yeah. if i get both double or nothings there's there's four left there's four there's left four, four left, left. Oh, okay. so you can get all four so, yeah jesse colson Jesse Coulson, rapper. Rapper, yeah, rapper, yeah. Scrum off. Andre Benjamin. Oh, uh, Andre. Andre Benjamin, Andre rapper. 2000, 5000. Oh. Andre. Okay. 3000, yes. I'll give you that. Yeah, yeah, I'll give yeah. you that. It's Andre 3000, yes. Oh, um, nice. And uh, Sav, you said rapper, didn't you? So yes, I'll give you that. So with two points in it, there's two left. Okay. Jacob Wasdorp. Jacob Wasdorp. I'm going rugby player. I haven't got a position really, unfortunately. Okay. Just a rugby player. Rugby? I'm gonna. I'll go rapper. I'll go rapper. Split it. He's a prop. Oh, oh so. that was my gut, but I felt tactically since I've got no idea. About the last player. one, the final <laughs> one the is fun. Toby Lestrange. Toby Toby Lestrange was a fly half and centre. Yeah, and he's also wow. a little pump. Um, <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> Things have gone left field. No, so Sav, you win by one point. Congratulations. Oh. You are the winner of the inaugural rugby player or rapper quiz on the Squid Rugby World Cup retrospective. I can't wait to do that again. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, this it just needs graphics and maybe like a funny theme song. Yeah. Um, and then it would just be, I think that could be daytime entertainment up there with Pointless. Yeah, we can, yeah, we can get sponsorship sure. from Kellogg's, get us off yeah. the ground. <laughs> true. Get, it's yeah. true. Colin's got to present. Yeah, yeah. If 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 he if he's free, obviously he's very busy with his after dinner speaking. Yeah, he's got a lot going on, that boy. How how do you feel being the winner, Sav? How does it feel? You know what? I'd like to thank uh, my friends and family and all of the people in the line break offices who work tirelessly to make sure that we're posting twenty four hours a day, seven days a week. 
yeah it, it's 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 kind of bizarre being on a rugby content creators podcast when i don't think that we've created rugby content for about four or five years uh, but we but we sure post about Done. rugby and yeah. uh yeah a lot lots of outstanding shit hours re and just work yeah. on twitter generally and Excellent just shit. sometimes Agreed. Sometimes my phone, when CC posts about something, it starts to vibrate a lot with the notifications. And I do think Twitter does something to try and stop me getting notifications. And you know what? But I need that dopamine buzz to know that CC's off on one. And, that is, of course, Adam, who we had on the podcast recently. Is yes. That? Yes. I, that is that is Mr. Jenkins. Uh, he, he is He's phenomenal when it comes to... And also, sometimes I'm like messaging him on our group chat on the discord or things like that and i'm just like this is my opinion on things but i don't really want to get into a war about it and he like repackages it in a way which is funny and then just puts it out there and it's just like yeah he's he's nailing that job i mean booking you for this podcast was a mission in itself because i had to specify that i wanted you uh when uh, messaging the (laughs) line break account yes yeah hello it was it was something like hello sav and at that point i didn't actually get that notification because i think one of the others must have read it um, oh wow! For some some reason I am checking the DMs quite regularly. So yeah. there we go. I didn't um, realize there was an alternate part of the DMs for a long period of time. So we have loads of messages from loads of different people that have like asked to write for us on the website, oh, and oh, wow, we've just cool. apparently ignored them, including quite a few people that have gone on to become quite reasonably well known. I think hmm. that Ben is it Ben Nurse and some and and Reese on rugby. Yeah. Some of these people that they're, they're getting more backing. So it is nice to see that despite us apparently slighting them, they're doing well. <laughs> it is it yeah. is good to see them. That is good to see. Yeah. That is good to see. Uh, should we wrap up the game? Yes. Sure. Yeah. Mike uh, Harrison scores a, a try of lovely touch by Jamie Salmon. Yeah. Um, one point in the first half, Jamie Salmon does a kick, and the commentator said Salmon loves that left foot, which is just as well because Evolution worked very hard to get it for him. Um, yeah, that's true. And yeah, lovely touch by Jamie Salmon to put Harrison in uh, yeah. on our support line. And then we have a couple of shite tries that are just terrible that we haven't mentioned. The there's the other Peter yeah. Winterbottom one from the first half actually where yeah. there's the line out and he just kind of like rips it off a friend and falls over and who cares yeah um, exactly yeah oh but it's such a problem that now the game there's so many mall tries yeah <laughs> right okay there's a point where the USA set up a wall move and Mark Saunders just kicks it in the air instead of running with it which doesn't oh, yeah. make sense at all yeah they just <sighs> The kicking again drove me mad. I need, I'm, I want five minutes now to discuss the fact that I really lost a lot of respect for Rob Andrew during this game. <laughs> like, I didn't know that this would happen going into the game, but I've heard, you know, Rob Andrew's a good 10, all of this. Like, and then I've watched it and I really just, I died a bit inside. <laughs> and I think it's because I compared him a bit to Wilkinson because he was kind of held up as being this level and then he just wasn't. And it, and, and it hurt. And I mean, that moment when you're describing there where they just, the, the kick, they decided to just kick it randomly. I think that's because that's what Rob Andrew was doing. So they thought they would do it as well. And yeah. it, it wasn't good. It wasn't no. good at all. No, Rob Andrew was quite frustrating to watch at points in this game. Um, yeah. This is two years into his career as well. Like this isn't yeah. his first few caps. And obviously he goes on to play for quite a long time. And like he played quite well in the previous game where he came off the bench. Yeah. Okay. He played really well. Um, played for England for another 10 years after this. But yeah. so he, he, I assume he probably gets better, but You'd hope. we're still far enough into his career and he is first choice that we should yeah. be seeing something. It is one of those things that often watching his games back, I forget that players can have one bad game. 
Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. like really judgmental watching these players back uh, from 87, but yeah. I don't, yeah, maybe, maybe it was a bad game, but it was, it was hard. But it was watch. a bad game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was. I would also like to point you in the direction of Earl Curtin's halftime analysis of Dean Richards. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm curious. Yes. Jeff Richards, Franklin, he's, a, he's really strong. He looks like a rural guy in New Zealander from out of the bank of the King Country, really, rather than a man from such a sophisticated country in Europe. Oh God! I, there's just there's problematic everything in that <laughs> moment. Yeah, <laughs> it's in, it's interesting that he decided to go down that route to describe him. He was basically kind of describing a half bear man. Um, <laughs> and 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 Dean Richards was a brutal character at the back Ooh, of, that of course. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But it's just I just I love the kind of the the. The racial stereotyping that he go, route yeah. that he goes down on two different levels. He has classism and weird, also oddly positive xenophobia. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's bizarre, and it's just like basically always says, "Oh, he's both big and he's English." That's so strange. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's strange that someone can grow to be that tall. I've yeah. never seen someone with more bent copper energy than Dean Richards. <laughs> Honestly, that man, that man, he, he's a, he's a force to be reckoned with on the rugby pitch. You can see Ooh. that. And, uh, yeah, he's, he's obviously done well out of rugby. He's, he's done well out of rugby for sure. Yeah. I suppose so. Yeah. He never went into philosophy, did he? So <laughs> he had no other choice. Do we have um, anything else we want to cover in the game? Sort of covered the game, haven't we? Yeah, I mean, I, mean thing is, I would like to encourage us just halfway through a conversation, the conversation to just stop, much like the footage of this game. It's <laughs> like, no, no exit. I just want it to, and we're done. Yeah, so, we'll, yeah. we'll definitely do that at the end of the episode. I'll, I'll, I'll make sure when I edit it, I cut Robbie off halfway for his last sentence. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, I suppose this leads us on to a very quick, and we have nothing more to say on the... On the game itself, game, yeah. Then the only thing that remains to be done is frantically loading to have a very quick going away party for the USA. Yeah. So, and, I mean, we did look at the USA team at the start, but they do have in the second row Bob Corsi, who I'm pretty sure is Bob Casey, the former London Irish lot. Yeah, I thought that. Yeah. I mean, no, so. I, very quick. Ray Nelson obviously stands out for being a fullback with a yeah. bullet. And he catches Ray Nelson was fun. I enjoyed Ray Nelson. I've enjoyed his company yeah. in this World Cup. I think that the best player by a long way was Kevin Higgins throughout this tournament. Yes. Yeah. Oh, by such a distance. Like, yeah. he looked really, really good until this game, where until he didn't game, really get much chance to do much. Yeah. But he did revolutionize rugby, so it was fine. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's more or less like everyone I have to kind of yeah. point out in this USA well, team. They weren't terrible, but. So I didn't know this until today um but kevin higgins died last year really quite suddenly oh wow yeah uh higgy as he was known this was sort of the usa communications director but yeah he was talking about what a great player he was but also Mm. what an inspiring leader and true friend he was for everyone oh that's very um he would always lighten the moment with his quick wit his laugh and ability to make people laugh will be sorely missed oh that's Um, very nice yeah so on top of everything we say about him as a excellent player who yeah he was very very good at the time yeah yeah, by Definitely. all accounts, a wonderful guy as well. Yeah. Um, no, that's excellent. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah, Kevin Higgins is definitely the standout for the USA. Yeah. I mean, I'd imagine that you've got a certain I dick mean, of the tournament. So, 
<laughs> obviously, if we're picking Dick of the Talk, I mean, Joe Clarkson kicks every single ball he catches, which. Oh, Christ, yeah. And not every pack ball passes to everyone he catches. But, I mean, if we're picking a Dick of the Tournament for them, obviously, Gary Lambert is my arch rival. Yeah. But they do have rape defender and massive cunt George Hook as their coach. So, oh, wow. Okay. okay. Yeah. So, yeah, you know. That explains itself. Okay. Yeah. Shav, anything you want to say in the USA before we wrap this, this party up? I, d- I mean, I didn't know them well enough. Um, no. Unfortunately. I mean, yeah, they, they seemed very gridiron esque and I really <laughs> enjoyed that aspect of their defensive nature. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're right. They, they, they made some defensive tackles that apparently weren't common throughout the rest of the tournament. So <laughs> I can only commend them for that. Yeah. That's yeah. very true. Okay. Should we do Man of the Match and Dick of the Day? Yeah. Sure. Okay. Sure. So sorry to Miley. Thank you for your contributions. Um, I also want to read a quick George Hook quote that I've just come across to just to back up okay. my claim that he was thick of the tournament. The day after the, the earthquake in Haiti, he said, it's a God forsaken place. God has literally forsaken it. They got what was coming to them. Oh, Jesus, Jesus Christ. Christ. Well, what an yeah. absolute piece of shit. Yep. 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 So yeah, in yep. amongst the appearing on the punditry to defend a rape trap, like it's just... Lots and lots of just general country's behaviour. So, well, that puts um, my Peter Winterbottom dick of the day shout in context. So, yeah, so that's my dick of the tournament for the USA. But <laughs> for this one particular game, should we start a man of the match? Man yeah. of the match, player, player, yeah, player of the match. I've if got. It is very difficult. Go on, Sav. Yeah, I mean, I've written three names. I've written Harrison Webb or Chilcott. I, mm. I think Webb just because he kicks stuff. And the kicks were decent off the tee. Harrison because he made some good runs and scored a nice try. Yeah. Probably scored the best try of the day, other than the American one, which we're not sure if he was in touch or not. And Chilcott, just because, you know, he when he wanted a break, he took a break. And respect <laughs> to him, um, if you need to take a knee, you take a knee. And no one's going to tell you otherwise. Yeah, especially um, not the church. Not the ch- the church is not. They're just trying to get you to take a seat. Yeah, aren't they? They, they, <laughs> they do want that to happen. Uh, I'm going to go Harrison probably. on overall. Okay. Yeah, yeah just a couple of good runs and a decent try. Yeah. Yeah, entirely, yeah. entirely justified. Mike Harrison's very much in contention for me as well. I think he's 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 very good. I really enjoyed him yeah. this tournament. It, was he and the I captain think, on the day? Yeah, he's captain. He was captain um, on the day. Apparently, the like three players were asked to be England captain. They all said no, and so he was the fourth choice. Okay, uh, so well, captain for this World Cup. <laughs> That's obviously always how captaincy is handed about. Um, <laughs> yeah. You just you open up to the room and the guy puts his hand up. He's usually the captain. Should, it just so happened for the Lions that Alan Wynne Jones was just really tall, so they all saw his <laughs> hand. That's how it works. Yeah, they're just really lucky. Adam Beard was just very shy that day. Yeah, yeah, he wasn't feeling it. Uh, um, I don't have a. Yeah, go on. Who, who else is we? Got oh yeah, yeah. So um, yeah. I mean, the other guy I think in contention. I thought Wade Dooley was a name I heard quite a lot in commentary when things yeah. that looked vaguely positive were happening. But I think, and also he scores a try after the game cuts out. Does oh, okay, that would have been nice to see, I suppose. But um, that's funny. <laughs> but we have no way of knowing if that actually happens. No, so therefore, I, I don't yeah. think that can contribute towards him getting out of the match in well, this podcast. But yeah, it yeah in was, our universe, it in our universe, happen. it doesn't happen. Yeah. That game ends midway through. Man. Yeah, it's never a final whistle. This game's still going on, but also it was called happened. early due to a power cut. Yeah. <laughs> so, seeing as I have to rule out Wade Dooley's try. Mike Harrison did score, so I'm gonna I'm gonna give my man the match to Mike Harrison as well. Perfect, we're nailing Fair this. Enough. That must put him in contention for player of the tournament now. That puts him level with Fabio the dog. Oh man! Um, and is anyone else? 
Fabio the dog and Mike Harrison are joint on player of the tournament so far. Amazing. So, man of the match is quite difficult to pick because everyone was terrible. So, one person I'd written down was Chilcott. I think he was good. Yeah. I enjoy him a lot as well. Another person was Janet from production. Uh, I had her written down. I think she yeah, was yeah. excellent. Yeah. But what she I had... a good entertainment. What I have written at the end of my notes is stream finishes early. Thank fuck Gary Lambert, man of the match. Yeah, okay. <laughs> well played, Gary Lambert. Congratulations. Yeah, beautifully done. So, yeah, he's my man of the match for the fact that he didn't make me watch, or he's responsible for the fact I didn't have to watch the rest of the game. <laughs> Perfection. And should we do dick of the day? Oh, yeah, Dick of the Day. Christ. Because um, I was considering Gary Lambert as Dick of the Day for the stream finishing early. Oh, well, both but, both ends. <laughs> yeah, but now you put it like that, actually, he's, he's actually, saved, he saved us. I've got to give him Dick of the Day for different reasons. Um, yeah. No, at one point, he's in the backfield and does a kick. We see both Dean Richards and Gary Lambert drop into the backfield at some point, which is interesting as a you know, back row dropping into the back row, which is something yeah. I figured came in about 10, 15 years ago, but apparently, you know, there were shades off back yeah. then. Yeah. He does a kick, kicks it immediately to John Webb who counterattacks, makes a break. But hey, there we go. That Those sort of things happen. I'm talking now because I have no idea who my dick of the day is. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going with, I mean, I've got Gary Reese dropping the ball over the line. I've mm. got Rob Andrew mm, for making me fall out of love with fly halves. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, there wasn't like, like, they were all just a bit rubbish, you know? Not enough grubber um, kicks, eh, Sav? Not enough, grub, not enough grubber kicks, not enough creative... You know, when they kicked it, it just seemed to be either a Gary Owen, which is... I mean, it's almost creative now because of how uncreative it was, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, but yeah. it just you, just... you just don't really see it. George Ford does it occasionally, I think, actually. He just sends one mm. to the absolute moon and uh, tries to get Freddie Stewart underneath it, which, mm. you know, not, not the worst tactic in the world if you've got a six-foot-six uh, flying uh, fullback, but... That didn't exist in this game, so no. it should not have been happening. No, I mean, I've got Gary Reese for dropping the ball over the line. I don't even know. Again, I think I'm saying his name wrong. I don't, I don't even know. But yeah, that that guy dropping the ball over the line. Gary Reese, pride of Nottingham. Now, <laughs> shame of Nottingham. Yeah, I could never give a man from Long Eaton dick of the day. In fact, I could. I could. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, you have to probably not on me. this podcast. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, oh God, it's difficult to pick a dick of the day here because... I mean, a guy called Francis Clough played. Like, true. I'm tempted, tempted to give it to him. I feel like I'm going to have to give it to Peter, Peter Winterbottom just for that one <laughs> kick and just the fact that it made me just resent him for the rest of the game. Fair enough. That's, that's, fair. that's um, fair. And so the one kind of big negative, big thing I do have written down, Rob Andrew, who you mentioned falling out of love with half position. Yes. Um, at one point, he does the worst time pass I've seen in my life where there's a gap. And he waits until the guy he's passing to is, you know, like sometimes you see like the wait for the guy's already being tackled. Yeah. Yeah. So he waits until the guy, yeah, is lined up properly. So he goes from being a ball that would be a break to he times it so badly it's now a hospital pass. Yes. And for me, (laughs) that is such a a hideous moment of fly harping that I am going to give Rob Andrew my dick of the day. Yeah, I can I concur with that. It, I remember that moment. And I think even the player was actually a little bit angry after the fact. I can't remember who it was, yeah. but they they weren't best pleased with the fact they'd just been sold an absolute hit. But yeah. They should be, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, Sav, thank you for joining us. That brings us through another episode. 
where can people find you? Where can people find all of your stuff? Where can people embrace? I mean, follow Linebreak Rugby. I think the last article published was a breastfeeding article uh, based around my life with my wife. So feel free to read that. But I've also written some other, I've actually, I was going to make a, a Hayden Thomas video for Extra Chief Scrum Half, because at the moment, Extra Chief seem to be lacking a perfect international fly half. So maybe follow, if you want to see Hayden Thomas highlights over the next couple of days or weeks, mm. I know this is coming out in a while, but it'll probably take me that long to put it together. <laughs> so feel feel free to follow Limebreak Rugby on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I strongly vouch for Line Break. I think anybody who enjoys this sort of shit rugby content will think Line Break is excellent. <laughs> so um, I mean that as I, the strongest compliment. Yes, yes. A, a philosophies of sidestep being our best work. Yes. Probably. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I absolutely love the philosophy of sidestep. Yeah. yeah. I, it was actually a career highlight for me when I suggested that you put in Amy Lee Murphy Crow uh, in the Six Nations. Yes. And literally within 24 hours, she was in there with a, a wonderful quote to back it up. Got that up, yeah, yeah. I want, I want to put feature more Ellie Kildun. I think there was an article. Mm. We released a couple of videos of Ellie Kildun doing sidesteps, and then she released an interview saying, "I want to be remembered on YouTube as being the the hot stepper or something like that, like oh, the wow. sidestepping." Yeah. That's not surprising. Like, yes, especially considering how little she passes. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> her, her and Jess Breach are starting to sort that out, but. Um, sure. Yeah, she she loves a sidestep in her brain. There was so sure. there was a moment where when so Robbie, you originally pointed out to me that Ellie Kildun never passes the ball, yeah. and after that point, I, it really started to bug me. And there was a point after that was first pointed out to me where like I went like two months where every single time I saw Ellie Kildun pass the ball, Jess Breach scored that face. Yeah, <laughs> and it that was happens. a genuine stat that like yeah, every yeah, yeah. time she passes, Jess Breach scores. The thing yeah. is. Ellie Kilton's so good she keeps getting away with it. Yeah, oh, she's, a, she's an the incredible athlete. The amount of time like... I've, times I've seen her take a decision playing for either Quinns or England where you think, oh, that's she's bombed that try yeah. and then she scores anyway. If any other player yeah. does it, they're not scoring. Yeah. But she's remarkably talented. Like, 100%. Yeah. And an incredible finisher as well. Like yeah. a technical, like you think of people at incredible finishes as doing it, squeezing it in the corner. But yeah. her ability to get the ball down under pressure with people around her is yeah, uh, yeah. amazing. Yeah. Incredible. It's quality. Well, I'm glad we've ended talking about um, the Red Roses. That That's how we should yeah. end. That's, that's Every episode should, should end on that. We should have far, far more Red Roses chat. Sav, thank oh, you for joining us. Yeah. <laughs> Cheers. Well, thank you as well joy. for yeah, thank you. joining us as well. Please, if you are a listener, thank you for listening all the way through. And we will see you next week for the most thrilling fixture, Island 32, Tonga 9. Please come and join us next week. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.